Hello, my name is Father Anthony Wick. I am a Jesuit of the Central and Southern Province. I reside in St. Louis. I work at the White House Retreat Center and at Kenrick Glennon Seminary. And I teach a course in spiritual direction at Aquinas Institute. I would love to offer you an insight into St. Ignatius. St. Ignatius, we are celebrating 500 years plus one since St. Ignatius had his conversion, a conversion that rocked the world. A year before Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492, Inigo was born, 1491, in the fiercely independent northeast region of Spain, the Basque country. St. Ignatius was born one of many children and he was of middle nobility. You can st still see the family almost like castle, uh, five foot thick walls uh, where he was raised and uh, the walls being so thick to hold off cannonballs <laughs> under attack. And St. Ignatius, uh, as a young boy, lost his mother. He was raised by a wet nurse. He had all these noble ideas of making a dent in the world. He wanted to influence others. He uh, worked as a page for the court uh, in Spain. He had plans to marry. He, had, he was always a, kind of a swashbuckling young man, trained meticulously in the art of chivalry. Never exactly a soldier, as many believe, but never trained as a soldier, but knew how to wield a sword quite well, trained in the art of chivalry. So in 1521, the French invaded Pamplona and St. Ignatius Inigo, as I told you, uh, thought it was his bounden duty to help defend Pamplona from these invading French. And so he began fighting with his fellow comrades in arms, the Spanish soldiers, and roused them up to keep fighting even when the odds looked bad. And so he was a natural leader in so many ways. Well, a cannonball, you may know some of this story, a cannonball came and uh, took him out. It took off part of his, uh, hit his left uh, uh, thigh and, and uh, left, uh, excuse me, left calf and, and destroyed his right shin, I believe it was. And he hobbled for the rest of his life because of that cannonball. It knocked him out of the battle. And the French were so admiring of his courage as they went ahead and took the fortress that they carried him by litter all the way back to his family castle in Loyola. Loyola is not really his last name. That's the place where he grew up, St. Ignatius of Loyola. <laughs> and so he was brought back to his family castle for convalescence. And being uh, a man of of note and also very concerned about his looks and the tight stockings they used to wear back then, the men of those days. He had his leg rebroken twice uh, by doctors without anesthesia, he says in his autobiography. And then at one point there was an extra bone protruding out the side and so he had that sawed off. Very intense guy, also without anesthesia. And then at night he would have ropes uh, stretching out his body from uh, so that one leg wouldn't be shorter than the other. Very vain man. And this is our, there's our hero lying there in bed and back in the family castle. And the, he asks for some books on chivalry to pass the time. He has nothing to do but read at this point. He's in 
convalescence and the his sister-in-law had just cleared out the castle of all good books and so all she has left are a life of christ by ludolf of saxony and a lives of the saints by Varagini called the golden legend well beggars can't be choosers and so saint ignatius takes these works of life of christ the life of the saints and he says a conversion grace began to enter his heart he says two things would happen with him when he was in convalescence. Sometimes out of boredom, he would choose this habit of thinking about how he was going to win the hand of a certain woman in his life. He says she was higher than a duchess, higher than a countess. We're not sure who it was. It could have been the princess of Spain. <laughs> he aimed very high. He could go on for hours, he said, trying to think of how he was going to win her hand and the, exploit, the exploits he would do to win her hand. And he said, those thoughts would leave me, a, they would give me a reward. And they made me feel manly. But when he dismissed those thoughts from weariness, he said they left him dry and dissatisfied. Note that. On the other hand, when he thought of, after reading the lives of the saints, reading about Francis and Dominic, St. Francis and St. Dominic, he thought, maybe they are the real man. I thought I was the real man, the way I was... Uh, a ladies man and so strong and gonna make a dent in the world and maybe they're the real men I, I, I thought I was the real man because of my muscles <laughs> but look at these men totally given to a life of following Christ he began to ponder I wonder about following them I wonder if I could follow in the footsteps of Christ as they did and so when he was bored he would begin thinking of imitating Francis and Dominic these thoughts also brought him a reward and he says, when after thinking for hours, he, was, he could go on for hours thinking about these things, when he would dismiss these thoughts from weariness, they would leave him cheerful and consoled. So he said, I noticed this difference. One set of thoughts left me dry and dissatisfied, and these thoughts left me cheerful and consoled. And he said, I began to realize for the first time a different source of each thought. These thoughts inspired by the evil spirit. Originally good, it's good for a man to have to win the hand of a woman, but it was about St. Ignatius. These are thoughts that revolved back to himself. They were selfish thoughts about his own renown, what he was going to do in the world, putting himself at the center, not God at the center. As we ought to think whenever we choose marriage, it's for God's sake that we choose marriage. But he wasn't thinking in, in those terms. On the other hand, these other thoughts that left him cheerful and consoled, he could tell that it was the Holy Spirit inspiring him. This is the beginning of his discernment of spirits. And this conversion of his will be a conversion that rocks the world. He's really applying Jesus' words, his injunction of by the fruits you will know them. You'll know a tree by its fruits. What are the fruits of that tree? My father taught me as a boy that you can tell the difference between a hawk or turkey buzzard, as we have here in, in Missouri. The difference between a hawk and an eagle is the wings the eagle's wings go up at the end, whereas a hawk's wings go straight up. And so that, that notion of looking for eagles, uh, to be raised up on eagle's wings, is a good image for proper discernment of spirits. Where does this lead? Where does this thought lead? Does the evil spirit show himself along the way? Sometimes we don't recognize the evil spirit, St. Ignatius says, until we see him by the tail. In other words, he, he may inspire even a pious thought. And we don't realize till somewhere along the train of that thought that, oh, oh, this is distracting me, I'm feeling overextended, I'm feeling a little resentful, 
all the good things I'm doing. This is St. Ignatius's new insight. And so he realizes, wow, if these spirits, if these thoughts are inspired by the wrong spirit and the, the wrong spirit is getting in, I'm not going to choose them. These thoughts of imitating Francis and Dominic, they leave me cheerful and consoled. I'm going to do it. So off he goes. He's going to the Holy Land. He has no intention of starting a religious order. He was always Catholic, but not a very good one. And so he's on his way to the Holy Land. He stops by the Benedictine Monastery at Montserrat, which exists there to this day. And he does a vigil of arms, which is standing or kneeling all night long with his full regalia uh, and his, his armor and his, his sword, whatnot. Uh, a vigil of arms like it used, like used to be done in the medieval times before one was knighted by the queen. And so he does this vigil of arms, makes it through the night. Day's beginning to break. He leaves his sword there, goes out uh, from the wants to leave before pilgrims start coming into the beautiful sanctuary, before Our Lady there present, and uh, before this beautiful statue of Our Lady. And he finds a beggar, and he switches clothes with the beggar. So now he becomes the pilgrim. The pilgrim off to the Holy Land, and he stops by this cave uh, called Manresa. Manresa is this cave overlooking, it's a little bluff overlooking the Cardona River. And he wants to stay there for just a couple weeks. And he says, I need to do some penance for all my past sins. I've been selfish in so many ways. Do some penance for his past sins. And also, he wants to uh, pray more. He wants to pray. And so, and those just couple weeks, he also wants to do some uh, humble work at the local hospital. He's going to clean bedpans for the local people, which is really good for a man who is so caught up and so fastidious in how he looked uh, up to that point. And so those two and a half weeks become ten and a half months of mystical graces. And Our Lady shows him all kinds of things in his prayers. He has all these. St. Ignatius is a first-class mystic of the First Order. He has all these mystical graces. He starts writing down all these mystical prayer experiences in a book. He just can't take him down fast enough. God's working with him day and night. He just can't believe it. There's a cataract of graces that just like flood over him. He's so overwhelmed by that. He's taking notes on it. He's sharing with others in the hospital and elsewhere around the little town of Manresa about how the spirits are working on him. And other people are saying, you know, that's my experience too of how the evil spirits work on me. Like sometimes evil spirits, you and I know, they'll throw us from one side to another. Remember the 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 boy, the, demo, the boy who is possessed of the father, and the father says he throws, the, the spirit throws him into fire one moment, and the cold water the next, and so it is with you and me that we can be thrown from one extreme to another. That's a sign of the, the evil spirit working on us. One moment I think I'm the best around, or I'm the worst around, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, an amazing guy, I'm a terrible wretch. That's a sign of the evil spirit at work. So as he's sharing all these different insights he's, he's gaining about discernment of spirits, people around him are saying, wow, that's amazing. That speaks to my heart very much. And then he shares his prayer insights and leads them also to flesh out the gospel as he's learning how to do. He says, God was treating me like a schoolboy and he was, he was uh, challenging me and teaching me so much. As he's writing down all these notes, it became a book. And you know what that book is called today? The book is called The Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius. <laughs> what are the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius? He says in Annotation 1, they are five forms of prayer to help us 
let go of that to which we cling, our inordinate attachments or disordered attachments, so that we can seek and find God's will in our life. We can truly be free to say yes to God's plan in our life. Five forms of prayer. Examine, meditation, contemplation, vocal and mental prayer. Five forms of prayer, he says, that just like we would do exercise to take care of our body, so these five forms of prayer help us to do what? Let go of that to which I cling. All of us have inordinate attachments. All of us have things to which we cling. Not for God's sake, but for our own temporary security. Things we cling to. My reputation. I need everybody to like me. My health. I need my health to always be stable. Yes, we should take care of our health. We should eat well. But what if God, what if God had a, a plan for me that I didn't expect? What if, actually I've got <laughs> some cancerous things that are being removed from my uh, skin lately. But what if God doesn't have a long life in, in store for me? Am I okay with that? I don't know how long I'll live. Is that okay? Or am I clinging to this notion of I need to live as long as my dad lived. He made it to 87. I have to at least be 87. Oh no. Don't cling to anything. Receive everything as a grace. As an open grace. Huh? So these are five forms of prayer to help us let go of the things to which we cling and now honestly to seek and find God's will in my life. That is the key of discernment. It's a three-step process. If you're discerning anything in your life, small things, big things, like a lifelong vows, or just simple, like, should I do this? Should I take on this job? Should I let go of this? Um, should I start helping my neighbor with that? First thing is, what are the things to which I cling? I've got to identify those first. Use the five forms of prayer to help me let go, because I can't just let go on my own. I need prayer to help me let go. When I know myself more in the Lord, I'm much more secure there, and I can let go of those full securities, F-A-U-X, huh? those, those temporary securities that I think I need, I really don't need. And as I let go of them, I can now seek and find God's will in my life. What is the majis for me? What is the majis for me? Majis, it's a Latin word which means more, and there are many things that can praise God, but one praises God more than the other. What's more according to the desires of God's heart? That's the question for discernment. That's the question for you and me. Whenever we're discerning, which is the majis? The Lord wants to show the desires of his heart. Are we open? I'll close on that thought and ask you to ponder that. Where, how might I better learn how to discover the desires of God's heart? God bless you. Dear brothers and sisters, we continue for this second segment of the life of St. Ignatius and what he has to tell us today. We spoke about the formation of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius and their purpose to help us let go, uh, to free ourselves, to be truly free. To be free means to be able to love. That's the key of freedom. It's not an ability to do what I want or to keep all the options in front of me. That's my freedom. Oh no, it's an ability to choose God's will for me. What is God's greater will? What is the majis in God? God wants to show us between two good things, there's one that will be more according to the desires of his heart and will be more fruitful. There's a listening attitude there that we need to cultivate. And St. Ignatius gives us the guidelines for doing so. What a gift to the church, to the entire church, not just the Jesuits, but to the entire church, the discernment of spirits. There are over... 450 canonized saints who attribute their conversion directly to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. Isn't that amazing? 
and over 600 papal testimonials. So papal bulls, letters, even in encyclicals, talking about the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius as almost a sacrament. I quote, <laughs> and on the front lines and means of Christian perfection, they indeed are a key of conversion and they are so apropos to our day. I am so honored to be a son of Ignatius. When I was discerning my vocation, I started in Rome, Italy at a house of discernment there. And as I was studying the different founders, as I was first letting go of the things to which I was clinging, that's a whole story in itself, but then beginning to be open to how God, what's the magis on God's heart? As I was reading the different founders and getting to know them, St. Dominic, St. Francis, all these wonderful founders, St. Benedict, when I would read of St. Ignatius, I'm like, wow, he was such a father to me and still is to this day. <laughs> He's such a father. When I read his work, when I, when I go deeper in his discernment, I just, I find him so apropos, so amazing, such a fatherly figure that I know he's chosen me. I propose to you, dear brothers and sisters, that we don't choose the saints as much as they choose us. So you may have your likes for what saint this and that, but I propose to you in prayer, you're going to find certain saints choosing you, like Elizabeth of the Trinity for some reason has chosen me. I've always wanted to be chosen by Padre Pio, but he never chose me. <laughs> I've done novenas to Padre Pio, like him a lot, but I'm not one of his sons. So pray for me, no. <laughs> but St. Ignatius, yes, so St. Ignatius is like he grabbed me by the hair and said, you are mine. And so he takes many people, not just Jesuits, uh, many orders, by the way, founded on uh, the spiritual exercise of St. Ignatius, St. Francis uh, started five different branches. Uh, the Sisters of Loreto, from which Mother Teresa came, also uh, based there, Sisters of St. Joseph, so many different, the OMVs, um, fathers, they also are uh, based in that spirituality of the spiritual exercises. So St. Ignatius, <clears throat> after Manresa, having written down all these things, he heads towards the Holy Land. What's his desire? Nothing but to walk in the footsteps of Jesus for the rest of his life. Again, still no intentions of starting a religious order. I just want to follow Jesus. He has this beautiful childlike way about him. St. Ignatius has a beautiful simplicity and childlikeness. And maybe that's why God was able to flood him with a cataract of graces, because of that childlike attitude he had. He makes it to the Holy Land. He's a pilgrim there. He wants to just be a mendicant, just, just uh, depend on the goodwill of others. And the Franciscans, who were in charge of the holy sites back then, 500 years ago, and still are today, they said, ah, we don't want you here. And he's like, why not? They said, well, you could, be, you could be kidnapped and then ransom, and we'd have to pay a ransom for you uh, from the Muslims in the area. And he's like, but I think I'm supposed to. And they're like, no, you must leave. We're, we're commanding you to leave. He's like, but I think in my prayer, God's telling me to stay. And they pulled out a papal bull and they said, if you don't leave, we're going to excommunicate you. <laughs> Those Franciscans were tough. And St. Ignatius, uh, becoming more St. Ignatius, we can say that, realized that, wow, God can speak in that way too through the church. I thought in my prayer I was supposed to do this, part of his discernment now. But the church is saying, represented here by the Franciscans in a tough way, you need to go back home. And so he said, so be it. So he went back, took the the boat back to Europe, and he began to discern the magis for him, the more. What would be more to God's glory? And he discerned he was called to be a religious. He could better serve God as a religious. In my life also, I, up to the age of 26, like St. Ignatius, paradoxically, 
I was trying to make a dent in the world and wanting to get married and raise a big family on a farm like my parents did. Uh, and St. Ignatius comes back and he discerns that the, way, the best way to follow the Lord will be as a religious. So as I began to open up to that question, how can I better serve you, Lord? How can I better serve you? The answer also came to me to be a religious, uh, to follow Jesus in poverty, chastity, and obedience, to live his same kind of life, to walk in his footsteps. So St. Ignatius begins his, his process of formation towards the priesthood, ends up in Paris, uh, finishes his master's degree there, did mostly philosophy studies there, some theology, meets Francis Xavier, meets Peter Faber, and some of the first companions, and he takes these men on a 30-day retreat. That's what these exercises are about. 30 days to surrender to the Lord, to learn how to let go of all those things I'm clinging to, and to seek and find and choose God's will for my life. The Majis, whatever pleases Jesus' heart more. That's really key, dear brothers and sisters. What pleases Jesus' heart? A man or a woman of God is always concerned about the heart of Jesus. I propose to you that's even a better way of understanding our spirituality than I want to be a saint. It's very hard, dear brothers and sisters, to, to say I want to be a saint without the I getting a little bit in the middle. I have a whole story I could tell on that, but I won't take your time too much. <laughs> but if, I'm, if I am focused on, I just want to please the desires of Jesus' heart, what would be more to the desires of his heart? You could say, oh, well then you want to be a saint. <laughs> You want to be other-focused. I need to be, to be a saint, you have to be eccentric. My center has to be outside of myself. Ex means out and centric. So out, my center has to be outside of myself, Ex, ecstatic, if you will. Like my, I take my stand in the other. So all I want is to please Jesus' heart. And anybody like that is going to be a saint and is a saint insofar as they really desire and choose whatever God has chosen for them. St. Ignatius gives us the means by which to do that. So he finishes up his studies, the companions are formed, he's sharing, he's taking various different people through the 30-day exercises, and conversions are happening right and left. So many conversions through that time of deep listening to the Lord, letting go of the attachments, uh, receiving the Lord's will manifest in prayer, and choosing it. So he then with the companions, they decide to form a com company. He realizes that the Lord, so he calls it the Company of Jesus, Compañía de Jesús. It's not a society of Jesus, but there's no word for Compañía in Latin, so they had to put societas. Um, and so that's why it's called in our order, it's called the Society of Jesus. But really it's the Compañía de Jesús, the Company of Jesus, those in the Company of Jesus. So they begin this, this order. He thinks that they'll maybe go back to the Holy Land together and have a community there, not like mendicants, but, but a community there. Uh, and, but if that doesn't work and there's no ship that year going to the Holy Land, well, they'll go to the Holy Father. They'll take that as a sign that we're going to go to the Holy Father and submit ourselves to whatever he needs, whatever his needs are. And that's the origin of the fourth vow of the Jesuits, a vow of obedience to the Holy Father. We have a special care and concern for promoting the goods of the church. And Jesuits were always called to that deep fidelity to the church, to a deep, listening, obedient attitude. That's, that's what a Jesuit does. He listens uh, to the, the mind of the church within the church. He uh, is 
formed within the church, and he listens to how God speaks through his church. The word obedience, by which St. Ignatius says we Jesuits ought to be marked, that should be the mark of a Jesuit, is obedience, is a listening attitude. It comes from the word audire. Ob audire in Latin means a listening. And so in obedience, we hear deeply God speaking through his church. We can be radical on this, dear brothers and sisters, that it's it's not the church only by itself that we obey, but it's God, it's Christ speaking through the church. When I hear the church speaking on anything of faith and morals, I adhere to it completely. Why? Because I hear Jesus' voice speaking through the church. That's the key. And so I want to embrace and be formed by these wonderful teachings of Jesus in matters of faith and moral, morals through his church. St. Ignatius gives us also the parameters by which to understand that rules, he even puts in at the end of the spiritual exercises, rules for learning the mind of the church, rules for thinking and, and feeling and sensing with the church, to be with the church uh, at all times. To give you an image of that, you may know the story of the Iliad and the Odyssey by Homer. In the Odyssey, Odysseus is heading home and with his men on a ship, and they come by the sirens. So there's some islands off to the side. There's some beautiful women singers there. They are so seductive and so enchanting in their voice that there never has been a sailor who didn't hear this, this singing and be wooed to come to the island to, to uh, sail there. And they never left the island because this, it was so enchanting. They never made it home. But Odysseus says, I'm going to be the first to actually hear the sirens and make it home. So he, what he does is he ties himself to the mast of the ship and he puts, uh, because he's the head of the ship, he puts, uh, he plugs all the ears, has wax in all the ears of all the seamen with him and he puts them under command. We are going to sail straight by the sirens, by these islands, and no matter what I say, uh, you, bound me, you bind me to the mask, and no matter what command I order you as we're passing by, don't listen to me. Keep sailing straight by, straight by. So sure enough, as they get closer, he's now bound to the mask. He's the only one who doesn't have wax in his ears, and he hears the sirens, and, he <laughs> and he's like, I changed my mind, I changed my mind, we need to turn, 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 turn. And he starts shouting and trying to get whatever he wishes uh, from the sailors, and they're thankfully faithful, and they make it by the sirens. And so they continue on, and he does make it all the way home. What's the point there? The point is that sometimes in the church, we really need to tie ourselves to the mast. In other words, we, the church, it's that being faithful, no matter what scandal is going on in the church, no matter the Cardinal McCarrick's type people, uh, things not being done in the church, we tie ourselves all the more to the church's teaching, which are, the teachings are truly life-giving for a world very much in need and so many brothers and sisters who get caught up in all kinds of um, poor understandings of self, a very poor anthropology, reducing the human being to sexual proclivities and everyone finding their fulfillment by carrying out their own sexual proclivities as they like. No, 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 we're not sexual beings first and foremost. We're children of God, beautiful, beloved, and blessed children of God. That's, that's who we are. And so the church gives a teaching of what it would be like to be a fulfilled child of God. What would it be like to give of my life? What will be life-giving and what would be death-dealing for me in the way in which I live my life? The church is so good on all of her teachings. And so we ought to always form ourselves according to the mind of the church. That is a huge thing for St. Ignatius. To form ourselves according to the mind of the church because it's the same spirit, he says, of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, operating in the church. The hierarchical church, he says, is our mother. 
our, our mother, the hierarchical church, he, adds, he pulls both of those together. Our mother is the hierarchical church. Isn't that interesting? What a, what a gift to pull these things together, to have this kind of docility, this childlike play within the church, knowing who he is, knowing and able to hear the voice of Christ speaking through his church. That is so key, that it's the voice of Christ speaking. So as our world gets more and more thirsty for truth and to live a life of truth, and all of these sugar substitutes don't satisfy and they only spread the cancer, there's all the more need for you and me to proclaim what we believe and these wonderful truths of the Catholic faith that are indeed life-giving. A sampler of that. I'll only find myself in losing myself. These words of Jesus. You could say this. In marriage, most of us will be called to marriage. We should all be open to religious life because we're going to let God choose what He wishes for us. But in marriage, most of us will be called to be sanctified through marriage. If you're looking for your own happiness in marriage, you'll never find it. Never. But if you're looking for your spouse's happiness, you'll find your own. That is key. Huh? There we go again. Other-centered. Huh? I'm focused on my spouse. How can I surprise her? How can I love her or him? How can I give of myself more? I have no greater, I'm filled with the love of God. I have no greater desire than to love God back. When I began my discernment, that was a key for my discernment, was letting myself be profoundly loved by the Lord, and how can I better, Majis, love you back? And the answer became very evident for me also, as a religious, as a priest, as a Jesuit. God bless you.